The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke chapter 1, beginning at the 39th verse. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has looked with favour on the lowly state of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Indeed, his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has come to the aid of his child Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus. Let us pray. Loving God, may the words that I speak and the thoughts and reflections of all our hearts and minds transform us to be your people engaged in the long game of joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Friday, week before last, do you remember the weather was a bit wild? We'd had some rain, it was very windy. I went to the beach in the late afternoon I'd been thinking about going all afternoon, but kept putting it off. Just one more room to tidy, one more load of washing, one more terribly important job to do. But as I arrived at the beach, there was the beginning of a rainbow. And as I stood and watched, the rainbow continued to extend through the clouds and the blue sky. And I found myself in wonder, in awe, standing right in the middle of a stunning rainbow that arched over a stunningly wild ocean. My first thought was, ah, oh, this is incredible. And the, our reading this morning came to mind because I'd begun to think about it and to begun to form some thoughts in my mind about what I would say today. But my second thought was this. I wish I had my phone. I would take a photo and I'd post it to social media with the caption, today this. Today this. Today God has captured my attention and called me back to what really matters. 
However, I'd intentionally left my phone at home because I just needed some time to be. So I stood on the beach feeling perfectly centered in that rainbow arch, grateful that I hadn't missed the moment for the sake of one more job. I took in the magnificence of everything that I was experiencing. And with my female voice that sometimes feels drowned out, and from my female body that has carried, like you, so much in this life, my soul magnified the Lord, and my spirit rejoiced in God, my Saviour. I let my busy mind slow down. I let my tired body relax. I let my very full heart feel what it needed to feel. In making time and space for this encounter, joy bubbled up and enfolded me in a, as an intense feeling of deep spiritual connection and of appreciation. Not even the thundering ocean could drown out my song of joy and thanksgiving to God. Perhaps five minutes later, the rainbow disappeared completely. The joy didn't. Joy doesn't have to disappear. Joy can be the long game. As a gift of God's spirit, joy can live within us when we allow, when we give permission to our hearts, our minds, our souls and our bodies to be the soil in which the fruit of God's spirit can grow. Love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and all grow alongside joy. So while we try to capture moments of joy, posting them to share with family and friends, an image rarely does justice to joy. We end up with something like a photo of a small child on a dark stage, shaking hands with an unidentifiable person and receiving his or her certificate. We feel so proud of their efforts in our hearts but yet the image doesn't do it justice. It took me years, too many years, to learn that the best way to be present to a child is to be in the moment, to feel joy on their behalf, and to treasure these things in my heart where they can truly stay, rather than capturing their life in pixels and missing the joy moment. The extraordinary beauty of this world, of the natural world, and celebrating important milestones with people I love spark joy for me. A friend said to me recently that they think the most beautiful and joy-filled moments are the times in life when everyone feels they're a part of it. When everyone feels they're a part of it. So I wonder, what is it that sparks joy for you? While we know this question from Marie Kondo's decluttering technique, it can be used when decluttering our souls. 
Mari says, only you know what kind of environment makes you happy, brings you joy. So do you, do you know what really brings you joy? Mari also says that feelings are vital when determining what to keep and what to discard. Pay attention to your heart's response and your body's response as you determine what brings you joy. Everyone experiences joy differently. Identifying things that inspire joy can help you discover what you love and what you really, really need. Perhaps this Advent, or perhaps around New Year, you could take some moments to be present to yourself and to become clear about what sparks joy for you. When Mary arrives at Zechariah and Elizabeth's place, as we would say today, but we heard in the reading that uh, Mary arrived at Zechariah's house, her greeting sparks joy for Elizabeth and for the baby that she's carrying, who is the person that we come to know as John the Baptist. Luke says that Elizabeth is being filled with the Holy Spirit This joy-filled encounter prompts Mary's response in the words of a song that engages Mary's whole being. Perhaps as adults, the rules that we feel compelled to follow as we form careers and families can deplete us of joy. We forget how to be present in our own lives and joy can become elusive. Well, there's nothing like a few practical tips to bring us back to finding joy. So let's run through a few. Let go of the past. Our past is not our future unless we choose to live there. Optimism, hope, and focusing on good things rewire our brain for joy. And this includes surrounding ourselves with good people. It's hard to find joy when toxic negativity from others impacts our well-being. Smiling and walking tall can sound trite, but they can really help us to feel joy along with other daily rituals like eating well, some exercise each day, being attentive to the present moment, And of course, prayerful practices cultivate joy. Finding a practice of prayer that works for you, that suits you, that engages you, that becomes a way of speaking with, spending time with God. Giving time or skills or expertise through serving brings meaning to our lives and meaning Finding meaning is a pathway to joy. Often as we give of ourselves, it reminds us of how much we have, how much we have to be grateful for. So what brings meaning to your life? I used to often share with students at school this thing that was said by an American preacher and writer back in the 1950s, the place that God calls us to is the place where our deep joy 
and the world's deep need meet? What is that place for you? Identifying these things within the language and context of our own culture helps us to appreciate better the good things that are gifted to us in Christ today. The task in a sermon is to make accessible what scripture is saying to us about who God is, about who we are, and about how we might live with others, and also about the way that God wants to be intimately present in every part of our lives. We see and feel all of this in Mary's Song of Joy, in the joy that she experienced as she um, had this meeting with Elizabeth and all these things came together for her. Like Jesus and like John the Baptist, we too are created in love. And if not by our parents, by God. Created in love and for love. In the Gospels, joy is always tethered to this love. We see this in instances of discovering and living into the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God. We see it at the joy of Jesus' birth and the joy of Jesus' resurrection. And even in the joy of the heavenly community as the, as the angels sing at Jesus' birth. In John chapter 15, Jesus says he's the vine and we are the fruit-bearing branches. Remember the fruit of the Spirit, we are fruit-bearers. Jesus encourages the disciples to abide in the vine and inextricably links joy with love when he goes on to say, I have said these things to you so that you, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, says Jesus, that you love one another as I have loved you. The narrative of scripture and the lived experience of people makes clear that when we live into the love of God through making room for Jesus, we find joy. Brene Brown captures this really well in her definition of joy. She says, joy is an intense feeling of deep spiritual connection, of pleasure and of appreciation. She says, I love thinking of joy as the good mood of the soul. There's definitely something soulful about joy. So joy isn't losing ourselves. Joy is actually finding ourselves finding ourselves amongst the pain of disappointment and broken relationships, finding ourselves when we feel discouraged, finding ourselves when we're experiencing chronic pain, finding ourselves through the confusion of mental illness or psychiatric disorders, finding ourselves through the rigidity of the rules that we have formed so that we feel worthy and avoid shame. Joy helps us to see colors more brightly, to move with greater ease, 
to smile more often. Although, interestingly, spontaneous weeping can also be a very real expression of joy. Joy is not the opposite of sadness. That could be happiness. Rather, joy is the opposite of fear, just as love is not the opposite of hate, but of fear. Joy and love go hand in hand, as do joy and gratitude. The relationship of joy and gratitude is like this intriguing upward spiral. The more that we experience of one, the more we seem to experience the other, and upwards it goes. Joy pushes the boundaries of our ability to communicate about our lived experience via spoken language. And cultures that have more words to describe joy have been observed to experience joy more richly. The Hebrew language reflects a strong correlation between joy and physical expression. In the Old Testament, we encounter these expressions of joy. We encounter exulting, crying out, shouting, dancing, singing, clapping, and feasting. Joy in the Old Testament is found in daily life, and especially in who God is and what God does. God delivers, protects, forgives, and restores. God loves steadfastly. For Hebrew people, rejoicing in God has a real social dimension and includes thanksgiving and worship, which we see reflected still in our Christian worship today. But especially the Hebrew people would feast and have great joy on special feast days when they very importantly embraced inclusion of the entire community, including the widows and the orphans and the aliens. Israel's joy in worship takes on a universal dimension because God reigns over all the earth, calling all creation and all people to exult in God. We even find instances where God joins in this rejoicing. So when the prophets foretell the gift of salvation, and in today's reading, Mary has this prophetic voice, salvation reaches way beyond Israel to all nations and all people. So all these elements are reflected in Mary's song of praise, which we've come to know as the Magnificat, which is the first word of the, the passage when it's spoken in Latin. The words are often attributed to Hannah's song from 1 Samuel, but in reality, when Luke has formed Mary's song of praise, he's drawn from a very wide array of Old Testament sources, from the Psalms and the prophets. I'd really love to, <clears throat> excuse me, I'd really love to keep on talking about Mary's song of praise because it's really quite a revolutionary song. Economically, socially, and morally, it has very important things to say. That will have to be a conversation for another day. To finish, 
Joy characterizes the new era that has been ushered in with the birth of the Messiah, the Lord. When Luke attributes these prophetic words to Mary, her good news becomes our good news. It's the good news of great joy for all people that the shepherds will proclaim on Christmas Day. This good news of great joy for all people is what Jesus' ministry was all about. Joy lies at the heart of life in the kingdom of God. Luke's parables of lost sheep and lost coins and lost sons culminate in joyful celebration when there is restoration to community and in belonging. Over and over, scripture iterates that joy is a God-given part of our very being, helping us find strength through difficult dark and painful times. Mary's joy sustains her through the dark and difficult days of Jesus' persecution, of his betrayal and his execution. Mary's joy delivers her stronger, more whole and more compassionate, equipping her for a role in the life of the early church. So rather than worrying that we might revere Mary too highly and make her into something of an idol, let's find healing and wholeness in God's unconditional love expressed so beautifully through Mary's encounter with Elizabeth and through her song of exaltation. Let's experience God's permission to celebrate who we are to celebrate our giftedness and to bear the good news of salvation to the people that we encounter. Mary, who carried so much in her body and her heart, gives you and me the permission to name the burdens that we carry. Permission to use our voices to rejoice and to celebrate who God is in our life and the life of the world, even when it is through female eyes, with female hands, using female language, in solidarity with all our colleagues, our friends, our family, our community. Mary inspires us to join with men and women everywhere in the prophetic work of proclaiming the good news of great joy to all people. To close, I'm going to pray in the words of a sonnet by the poet Malcolm Guite. Here is a meeting made of hidden joys, of lightnings cloistered in a narrow place, from quiet hearts the sudden flame of praise, and in the womb the quickening kick of grace. Two women on the very edge of things, unnoticed and unknown to men of power, but in their flesh the hidden spirit sings, and in their lives the buds of blessing flower. And Mary stands with all we call too young, Elizabeth with all called past their prime, they sing today for all the great unsung women who turned eternity to time, favoured of heaven, outcast on the earth, prophets who bring the best in us to birth. Amen.